It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me. I do appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Remember, subscribe to the podcast. It's very simple. You just go to thepetecalendarshow.com and there's a big old button right there in the middle of the screen that says subscribe for free. And it's free. Did I mention it's free? Yeah, you just click subscribe and then you get it directly to your smartphone or tablet every single day. It's beautiful. Like the patrons that have uh, made the show possible. Patrons, for example, like Gene and Ben, Alan and Ron and Juanita, Pamela, Stephen, Nancy, Jim and Robbie, Jan, Daryl. Thanks so much for the support. They became patrons just by going to the Pete Callender Show and uh, to the website and clicking on the link at the top. And then you get access to exclusive content like the live streams. We did a two hour live stream the other day um, after the Capitol riots and such. So. If you'd like to get in on that action, get on over to thepetecalendarshow.com and come participate. We'd love to have you there. So um, the show today presented by Mattress Man. By the way, their big MLK Day sale is underway. The Split King Mattress Blowout underway now. Free adjustable bases with the purchase of select mattresses. Uh, These Split Kings are two-piece king mattresses. So, so uh, kings are the biggest, right? And they're basically two twins next to each other. So you have a split king. Well, what that means is you can customize the bed. So different mattresses, firmness levels and such for uh, each side of the bed. So you can also do adjustable bases for each side of the bed as well. It's really brilliant. So this way you can raise the head on one side, raise the feet on another side. Uh, If your wife likes it, uh, you know, a soft mattress, you prefer a firm mattress or vice versa, uh, then you can both be happy. Right, you can both be happy. So head on over to Mattress Man. They've got four locations in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. Uh, stop by Mattress Man stores and save a bunch of money and maybe your marriage at the same time by getting the Split King as part of the mattress blowout sale going on now. They also have 14-inch hybrid queen mattresses for just five seventy-eight. Your choice of firmness as well. Mattressmanstores.com. They ship nationwide. They have local five-star delivery service. They have a 120-day comfort guarantee. And they've got sleep consultants there to help you make the right decision based on how you sleep, okay, and what you are looking for. Everybody sleeps differently. Different positions require different mattresses. Let them help you. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. John Adams wrote in a letter to John Taylor in 1814 that democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes, exhausts, and murders itself. There was never a democracy that did not commit suicide. And there are a lot of people nowadays that suspect this is what we are seeing. And honestly, I am tend to uh, I tend to lean that way as well. Of course, I've been thinking this way for 20 years, so I'm not sure I'm the best judge of this because, I, you know, I like to think of myself as a bit of an optimist, but I kind of get the sense that I might not be because I've felt like this has been coming for 20 years. Um, when I was back in college, I thought this way, but I can't tell if that's because They told me to think that way in college. I don't remember. So um, is that what we are seeing right now? 
It's hard to say for sure because we don't have the benefit of hindsight, but it certainly is looking that way to me. And that is of great concern. And I would prefer to preserve it. And if we cannot preserve the system that we have, I am not interested in seeing what kind of future uh, hybrid model that our betters in the uh, self-appointed elite class have designed. I'm not interested in it. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just not. So barring any kind of uh, uh, stepping back from the abyss, as I see it, I think there there should really be some discussions, and I've advocated this for a long time, about how exactly you go about uh, de-unifying ourselves. How, how does that look? How does that work? Um, because I think, honestly... I think a lot of Americans are going to be okay with the idea of people going their own separate ways rather than going into violence. Seriously, I think a lot of people are okay with that. Um, The only ones, I guess, who would not be okay with that would be people who are like little tyrants and authoritarians who want to rule over people. Maybe. I don't know. Um, But when I see this story that the FBI is warning of armed protests that are being planned in all 50 states ahead of Inauguration Day... um, Yeah, I am very concerned that you've got people who are going to attempt to use violence to extract policy aims. And uh, that is terrorism. And this gets to it's funny, too, because how the uh, the left has now flipped their standard, because I'm old enough to remember when they would tell me that one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. And that is what that is how these armed protesters see themselves if they do, in fact, show up. Like this mindset, the Bubba effect, this was predicted. People, people on the right, okay, talk radio listeners, right, my audience, uh, people who uh, are right of center politically, folks on the right have been warning of this for a very long time, my entire career, 20 plus years. Uh, they've been warning of this. And now it appears we are rapidly approaching that point. You can you can only push people so far. This is also what the left told us over the summer with all of the violence that they were exacting on our cities. Right. Uh, They were they they said you can only push people so far. They will eventually snap. They will break. They will respond uh, with violence. And the right has been saying the same thing. It really is amazing how many of these arguments from left and right are identical, just depending on the situation. (laughs) Right. Um, So the FBI is warning that armed protests are being planned. In a Monday bulletin obtained by ABC News, the federal law enforcement agency stated, quote, armed protests are being planned at all 50 state capitals from January 16th through at least January 20th and at the U.S. Capitol from the 17th through the 20th. Okay, so the the 20th is the inauguration. Um, And uh, this is uh, Aaron Katersky or Katersky. I don't know. ABC News investigative reporter said that in recent days, the FBI has received information about an undisclosed group calling for the storming of state, local and federal government buildings in the event that Trump is removed from office before the 20th. So before the 20th. okay, so it's not. So I guess on Inauguration Day. If he's removed beforehand, they don't want to see that happen. But I guess on Inauguration Day, you're okay with the normal process. Terrorists, sorry, freedom fighters, terrorists, whatever. Like, you're okay with him leaving office on the 20th, but just not before. 
in a follow-up, but this is the reaction. You've got people that are like, he needs to be removed. Nancy Pelosi, you know, went to the Joint Chiefs of Staff during the riots and stuff and said, you know, you need to uh, look to potentially remove him, which, you know, some people on the right are interpreting as a coup attempt. In a follow-up tweet, Katursky noted that the FBI has also received information about an identified armed group intending to travel to Washington, D.C. on January 16th. Uh, Quote, they have warned that if Congress attempts to remove the president, a huge uprising will occur. Federal law enforcement agencies have reportedly advised state police departments to be on high alert and bolster their security forces at government buildings to guard against potential attacks. Because the House Democrats formally introduced a single article of impeachment against Trump, arguing that he, quote, willfully incited violence against the government by maintaining that the presidential election was fraudulent and rousing supporters to protest its certification. Is that an impeachable offense? Like, I I think Trump did a wink and a nod, and I think Trump is okay with whipping up a mob to go intimidate, harass and even, yeah, maybe engage in a little violence. I think he's okay with that. I think that's who he is. I think that's who a lot of uh, people are actually in politics. I think a lot of people are okay with it. I am not one of them. I think there are a lot of people that are okay with it. I see people on the left talking this way. What's the, what What do you think is the, uh, the direct lineage here from punch a Nazi in the face? Oh, and by the way, everybody that we disagree with is a Nazi. Dan McLaughlin He quoted the other day, I saw Edmund Burke uh, back in 1770, who said, quote, one mob is hired to destroy another, a procedure which at once encourages the boldness of the populace and justly increases their discontent. This is why I say we're in a cycle of violence. And I believe it to be escalating because each side now points to the last transgression of the other side as proof of why they are now entitled to respond with force. And so it's it's going to keep going back and forth. Um, that's my fear. And now you got the, the House Democrats. They're like, we're going to impeach Trump. We file these articles of impeachment. Nancy Pelosi gave him an ultimatum that said resign or face impeachment. Now, Trump did give this speech before everybody marched on down to the Capitol, but there's a bit of a problem with this timeline as to whether or not he actually incited the violence, because there is a write-up over here at uh, thenationalpulse.com by Rahim Kassam, who took a look at the timeline of this that the Washington Post put out. The Washington Post did a timeline breakdown of what happened, and if you follow this timeline, It doesn't actually prove that Donald Trump incited people. His speech did not conclude until 1.11 p.m. And the walk between the two locations with crowd-related delays, he says, would put the first people from Trump's speech at Capitol Hill no later than 1.56, a full hour and 16 minutes after the troublemakers arrived. In fact, the rioters who breached the perimeter would have had to leave Trump's speech even before it began at noon to make it in time for the events as they were detailed by authorities. Because the Washington Post says that the perimeter on the west side was breached within 15 minutes. And 
that doesn't fit the timeline of when Trump is making his remarks at 109, which was still even before the president had finished speaking. The uh, Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund says that he called the sergeants at arms of the House and the Senate, and he told them that it was time to call in the National Guard. He even said he wanted an emergency declaration. Um, both of them said that they would run it up the chain and get back to him. At 150, the Capitol itself was breached. That was still 1.50 p.m. That was still before most Trump speech attendees could have arrived. Now, I don't know about the, the distance and the time travel like calculation there, 45-minute walk between the two locations. But I do know this, that if you are going to the Stop the Steal rally, if you are going to that march and the president is scheduled to, to speak at noon, I'm thinking you stick around for that. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me to have people already at the Capitol engaging in this kind of activity and then to turn around and blame Trump for inciting it. It seems like I mean, at the speech. So you got to remember, like I'm delineating here. What did he say at the speech and what was already occurring is different than what has he been saying for two months? And if you're going to impeach him because he has been calling the election a fraud and rigged and how it was stolen, um, well, that's a really low bar, I would submit, to start impeaching people. Because there are a lot of elected officials that have cast doubt on electoral results, right? I mean, in my lifetime. So, I mean, there are a lot of people who still claim that the 2000 election was stolen by George W. Bush. There were elected officials that said that. Is that impeachable now? See, like this is why it's called the slippery slope. Now, if you have a slippery slope on the side of your yard and you want to flatten it out, maybe uh, you want to do it yourself because it's not that big of a project and you don't want to pay somebody to do it, then head on over to General Equipment Rental and get yourself an earth mover. And they will show you how to use it, by the way. General Equipment Rental is family-owned and operated for three generations. They're in Weaverville at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Uh, They're... uh, They're going to show you how to use the tool or the piece of equipment, and they've got every piece of equipment that you could possibly need for any kind of project, big or small, okay? They've got uh, air tools and compressors. They've got scaffolding. They've got large power tools, small ones. They've got construction equipment, lawn and garden equipment as well. So maybe you want to, like, till your garden, but you don't want to go out and, like, buy a tiller, right, for this, you know, once every five-year thing that you're going to do. So just go rent one from General Equipment Rental. And they'll show you how to use it, and you bring it back, and uh, you save money, and you get the job done. Go to General Equipment Rental. Go to their website, generalrents.com, and you can see all of the stuff that they have to offer there. General Equipment Rental, they've got the tool that you need, whatever the project might be. They are your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider as well, and they also do equipment service and repair for you. So go to generalrents.com or walk on into their store, General Equipment Rental in Weaverville, and think outside your toolbox. So Noah Rothman at Commentary Magazine the other day, um, in a piece called The Wages of Our Recklessness, he said there's no ideology that was on display at the riots at the Capitol, okay, Uh, other than the meeting out of pain to the right people and that this is somehow a virtue. And this, I'm afraid, has come to dominate a lot of the political I don't even want to call it discourse. That's not even what it is anymore. It's all just about inflicting pain on others. 
There's no policy aims here, right? You, you, who's, having a, who's having any kind of a debate right now about policy? Even the stimulus stuff wasn't, or stimulus, the, uh, the relief checks or the, uh, and the omnibus spending bill. N- none of that debate was about policy, right? Because that's boring. Nobody wants to talk about policy. See, now, if we can make the politics into blood sport and we can just attack, attack, attack and never actually argue the merits of policy. Well, that's way more fun. And you get to whip up a lot more people into a frenzy and get them to turn out for you. And this is both sides, by the way. Both sides have been doing this forever, probably. The fomenting, the agitating of voters in order to get them passionate about voting. Right. Why do you think the rhetoric that we have been exposed to over the uh, the course of you know the last 40 years? Why do you think it's getting worse and worse and worse? It's the same thing. It's just like viral videos. It's the same thing with any kind of addiction. You have to keep doing more, uh, you know, uh, more potent forms of the thing in order to get the high. And, uh, you know, after you've been telling people, for example, that Republicans are all racist and they want to kill grandma. So you need to go out and vote to save Social Security. Right. After a while, the message doesn't really resonate because they see Republicans in charge and they haven't killed all these old people. So uh, it it doesn't have the power anymore. That fear that uh, inspires people to go vote, it it gets minimized after people are desensitized to it. And so you just got to constantly be amping up the rhetoric. And Donald Trump has been doing this himself, right? He is the avatar of the right who got tired of being targeted and they said we're going to go find somebody to do to you what you're doing to us and i know the left doesn't like to hear that i know you don't but it's true it's true and if you listen to people who supported donald trump they will tell you that you just have to believe them they got tired of being picked on you guys have been bullies for a really long time and and i know you don't believe that because everybody is either you know the hero or the victim never the villain I understand that. I do. People on the right have their own victimhood ideas going on as well. And the people on the left think that that's all completely manufactured in fantasy. Noah Rothman goes on to say that Democrats countenanced their share of violence, just as Trump declined to condemn those who committed violence in his name back in 2016. Democrats looked the other way as vicious counter-demonstrators descended on Trump campaign events, assaulting peaceable rally-goers and vandalizing the surrounding property. Democratic lawmakers and their allies in the media heaped praise on the conglomeration of malcontents calling itself Antifa, merely because it nominally claimed to be fighting fascism. And as city after city was engulfed by riots last summer, Democrats declined to condemn the excesses to which demonstrators appealed in the name of racial justice. Indeed, when the chaos in American streets was addressed at all, it was framed as a wholly righteous and unblemished demand for historical rectitude. And while Democrats looked the other way, left-leaning media embraced the utility of street violence. He calls for everyone in politics to, quote, orphan your violent, to kick them out. And if you are unwilling to do it, I have zero interest in listening to any of your ideas or condemnations about the violence of your opponents. Okay? 
I've been saying this now for a week. If you had nothing to say a year ago about the violence that was tearing apart cities, then I don't care what you have to say about the violence of last week because you're just a political opportunist at this point. Matthew Continetti at the National Review, he says that uh, perhaps the vandals at the Capitol don't really want anything at all. Maybe they just want to fight. Maybe they just want to enjoy the chaos. And there is a word for that, and that word is nihilism. Or, yes, some people call it nihilism. I don't like that term, though. Nihilism. Nihilistic law-breaking is exactly what the American conservative movement and the Republican Party have stood against since the Cultural Revolution of the 1960s. And this gets to a a split. This gets to the point of a split that is occurring inside the Republican Party right now. I've talked about this before, that you've got populists and you have conservatives. The, The Republican coalition has been held together historically by a... Uh, an opposition to communism. That's the thing that united Reagan's, you know, three uh, three legs of the stool. You had the uh, the war hawks, right? You had the, the yeah, the, the war hawks. You had the uh, libertarian set, and you had the evangelical right. But they were all united under this banner of being opposed to statism, communism, for whatever reasons, right? And when communism fell. That glue no longer was holding these three factions together. And so now you had competing interests that were not willing to subjugate their own desires to the will of the party elites, which had been occurring, right? The evangelical right now was like, hey, you know, uh, we kind of want some stuff now on, you know, gay marriage and abortion. Meanwhile, you had the deficit hawks, the libertarians. They were like, hey, time to rein in all the spending. And meanwhile, you had the uh, the war hawks, the defense uh, folks. They were all like, well, you know, we really need to beef up the military. And oh, look at that. There's a war over there. Right. So all of a sudden, everybody is now scattering because there's nothing to hold them together. And this has redounded to the benefit of the Democratic Party. And so along comes the Tea Party after the Republicans get blown out uh, with this Obama coalition, right? Along comes the Tea Party. Stop spending, stop spending. The message resonates. What then happens? Because the Tea Party had come in and they were like taking over the infrastructure of the GOP. So then what happens? The GOP, Mitch McConnell, they crack down on the Tea Party. They start primarying uh, the Tea Party people, right, going after them. They set up their election funds and stuff to prevent more Tea Partiers from taking control. Republicans win based in some part on that Tea Party messaging. And that populism versus that you know establishment kind of uh uh those those sets it never got settled and that's what trumpism has exploited as well and that's why conservatives or the establishment and i don't use those terms interchangeably by the way um they are at odds with populists i'm not a fan of populism i'm not I, I don't like it because it's to me, as I went over the other day, it's it's essentially mob activity and I don't appreciate it. I don't like being told what to do under the threat of violence. I don't like feeling peer pressured into doing something. So uh, and look, there are people that are that are totally comfortable directing that using force and intimidation to get what they want. I'm not one of them. Chad Felix Green, he wrote uh, the other day, every person on the left believes that they just survived the parallel to the rise of Nazism in Germany uh, and that they have defeated it. 
They stopped it. That's what they believe. They believe all Republicans are 1950s white racists. They feel empowered to live out their civil rights warrior fantasies now. If you think you're exempt from this because you didn't vote for Trump or you defend businesses with, you know, well, they have a right to do this, you're not paying attention. See, you don't define your status here. It's imposed on you, just like every prior targeted group. And he's right, because what I just explained, the populist versus establishment, the left doesn't care about that. They lump everybody together. They see everybody as the same, right? Otherwise, there's no reason why Trump won. How many people have you seen on social media, people you know, that have said something along these lines? I'm really happy that Biden won, but I'm really sad because it means I'm still surrounded by 75 million bigots and racists, right? That they lump everybody together. In their mind, there is no reason to vote for Donald Trump over Joe Biden. And if you did, it means you are obviously in line with and agreeable to the storming of the Capitol and armed insurrection and your racist, sexist, uh, Islamophobe, homophobe, xenophobe, whatever, right? Like you're the worst of the worst. You're in the basket of deplorables because you made a choice between two bad options that they don't agree with, <laughs> right? Never mind the fact that they were calling Joe Biden all of those things too during the primary, right? Like that's the kicker here is that the vice president actually called the president during the primary all the things that they call the Republicans. But now we're supposed to forget all of that because, uh, what did she tell Stephen Colbert, I think it was? It was a debate! It was a debate! I'm sorry, I'm trying to master the fake laugh that she does, the over-exuberant fake laugh. That was her explanation. Why did you call him a racist in, the, in that debate Like, and then agree to be his vice president? And her answer was always, it was a debate. It was a debate. And then she just laughed her way through it. Well, what is she saying? She's saying, I lied. Now, I'm old enough to remember when lying about stuff like that could get you thrown off of a, a social media platform. But uh, I guess that might not be the standard for folks with the correct partisan affiliation. I will tell you the correct affiliation to have when you are looking to buy or sell a house is with Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team because they're going to get your house sold fast and for more money or they're going to find you a house because they have homes in all price points, okay? Um, they outsell 99% of the realtors in the state of North Carolina. She's the only agent that I would use buying or selling. You should as well. And she's the only official Homes for Heroes real estate agent in Asheville. This is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military. So veterans, active duty, and retirees. She's given back about $800,000 so far to folks in those professions. So give her a call, buying or selling, 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and start packing. Cumulus Media, telling hosts on their radio stations, stop talking about voter fraud. Stop talking about the stolen election. Stop talking about anything that has to do with that. Just stop talking about it. You will be fired. I do not agree with this idea. I don't. I'll explain why. Cumulus Media, a talk radio company with a roster of popular right-wing personalities, including Dan Bongino, Mark Levin, and Ben Shapiro, has ordered its employees at 416 stations nationwide to steer clear of endorsing misinformation about election fraud or using language that promotes violent 
protest. This this is a no-win situation now for the hosts. It's a terrible move. And it's, I mean, honestly, like I will I will say this, um, it's what you get when you have a lot of salespeople that ascend uh, the ranks of radio companies. And honestly, most radio companies are run by people that come from the sales side, not the uh, talent side. Okay, They're, they don't come from the programming side, as they call it. Um, they come out of the business and sales side of the operation. So when they tell their hosts in a memo and that memo gets leaked for public consumption, now we all know that they are telling their hosts not to talk about something. Even if the host didn't want to talk about that topic, they will now always be accused of not talking about it because management told them not to. And what you've just done is destroyed the trust and credibility between the audience and the host. That's what these people just did. I don't think they realize this yet, <laughs> but they did. Because let's say, well, and, and you know, then, you, then also, by the way, you're lumping in every other, every other host in with the hosts that have been calling into question the results of the election, right? You've lumped them all together. Ben Shapiro got thrown into that group, even though Ben Shapiro has adopted the position, which I have as well, by the way, which is if you have evidence of widespread vote fraud, election fraud that could determine uh, the outcome of the election, you need to present it in court. We need to see this evidence. You need to make these cases. And until that happens, like I'm not willing to throw out the results of 50 uh, elections in all the states. That's been essentially his position. But he gets thrown in with the, you know, you're undermining the election integrity. That's not fair to him. It now casts this pall across all of your stations. Brian Phillips, an executive vice president of Cumulus, issued the directive in a stern memo after pro, a pro-Trump mob breached the halls of Congress, addressed to employees working in the company's programming and talent divisions, including those at its syndication arm of Westwood One, the memo included an introduction in bold typeface with the words capitalized for emphasis, quote, we need to help induce national calm now. Cumulus and Westwood One will not tolerate any suggestion that the election has not ended. The election has resolved. There are no alternate acceptable paths. Please inform your staffs that we have zero tolerance for any suggestion otherwise. If you transgress this policy, you can expect to separate from the company immediately. There will be no dog whistle talk about stolen elections, civil wars, or any other language that infers violent public disobedience is warranted ever. Uh, just for the record, want to point out that none of this was necessary, apparently, over the last year as we watched hundreds of thousands of people take to the streets, destroy stuff, burn businesses, attack people, kill people. Um, none of this was necessary, obviously, right? There's no need for any kind of memos to go out urging people, hey, don't burn down cities. But now... Glad we got one from the uh, from the suits. The memo was first reported by Inside Music Media. Uh, it underlined a statement at the end of the paragraph that said, through all of our communication channels, including social media, we will work to urge restoration of peace and order. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with the uh, the urging of restoration and order and calm and all of that. But here's the problem. Let's say I'm a host at one of these stations and... Before this memo goes out, I am entertaining the idea that the election was stolen, 
right? I'm entertaining this idea. No, I do not, but let's say I was. Uh, after the memo comes out, or maybe as it's coming out, it's being written or whatever, let's say there's information now that is presented that shows that it wasn't stolen. And I now say, okay, well, I know I believed this before, but now I've seen some evidence that it's not the case, so I have changed my opinion based on the evidence presented to me. And now that doesn't matter, right? That will never be good enough. Even if I come to a change of mind honestly based on evidence, it won't matter because the existence of this memo destroys any credibility that I may have. I can't say that. If I say, oh, I changed my mind, it had nothing to do with the memo, nobody's going to believe that. You've put the hosts in an unwinnable position. If you don't want a specific host talking about a specific thing, then you tell them that. But this is, this is moral grandstanding. That's, that, that's what's occurring here. This is them putting out this memo. How dare you engage in this activity? And let's be honest, a lot of these media companies are kind of embarrassed about the conservative talk product that they offer. It's true. Uh, Brian Rosenwald, the author of Talk Radio's America and a scholar in residence at the University of Pennsylvania, noted that talk radio has been a massive force on the right since the late 1980s, when Rush Limbaugh, a backer of the president's baseless election fraud claims, was ascendant and was a key to Mr. Trump's political rise. This is according to uh, the story at the New York Times, which I'm not really sure was was Trump or sorry, was Rush the was he was a key to Trump's rise? Trump was winning before Limbaugh said anything about him, as far as I remember, but I could be mistaken. Base voters wanted somebody who sounded like their favorite hosts, and Trump was just using the talk radio playbook. I've always said Trump sounds kind of like he's right out of talk radio, but I always meant as a caller. <laughs> Uh, a lot of the anger on the right that is channeled into Trump was something hosts were picking up in their audiences and voicing long before Trump came along. Now, that is true. That's what I mean. Trump was the avatar for people that were feeling picked on. And this is a topic of discussion in talk radio and has been for a very long time. This is where people are made aware of stories and they're like, oh, well, what is this about? Now, I can't I can I cannot speak for all talk show hosts. Some are reckless, some are not. I try not to be reckless. Now, I know people on the left would say, but you are. Try harder, Pete. I know. Uh, but I try not to be. I try to implement some of the the stuff I learned as a journalist, as a host, right? I, I don't make wild accusations. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt, stuff like that. Cumulus has a big, broad set of interests. They have advertisers, sports contracts, non-conservative podcasts, uh, dealings with the FCC over station licensing. They understand that if you get involved in something that risks instigating violence, there is a serious danger to the bottom line. That's exactly correct. That's exactly correct. And that's what these pressure campaigns are based on, that knowledge, that you can hit them in the wallet and you can force them to capitulate when you otherwise cannot convince them based on reason and rationality. So what would have been a more, I don't know, rational approach for Cumulus to have taken. Well, I think they still have some newsrooms, right? Uh, don't they? Here's an idea, folks. Rather than telling people to shut up, how about you investigate some of the stuff? Do you think we would be better served or worse served if we had an investigation into some of the allegations by, ostensibly, 
allies of Donald Trump. Do you think maybe some newsrooms that are affiliated with some of these news talk stations, if any of these newsrooms exist anymore, do you think maybe they would have some bit of credibility to go out and investigate, get to the bottom of some of this stuff, and dispel some of these ideas? Do you think that would help? I do. But no, rather than actually fund a solution, right, they're just going to tell their people to shut up because it's easier to do. It doesn't cost them anything except their host's credibility. Um, Jonathan Turley, the uh, constitutional law professor at George Washington University, he's a Shapiro professor of public interest law, and uh, he wrote the other day at his blog, that he hates federal commissions. He has always hated federal commissions. Uh, but America needs one now about the 2020 election. And I agree. Federal commissions, he says, are Washington's way of managing scandals. They work like placebos for political fevers, convincing voters that answers and change are on the way. That is why it is so difficult for me to utter the words that we need a federal election commission. Not the one proposed by some Senate Republicans and not like past placebo commissions. An honest-to-God, no-holds-barred federal commission to look into the 2020 presidential election. Why? He says there are three reasons. One, first and foremost, this was an unprecedented election in the reliance on mail-in voting and the use of new voting systems and procedures. We need to review how that worked down to the smallest precincts and hamlets. I agree. This is the thing that Democrats constantly overlook. We just skip right past all of this. Democrats sued in, what, 400 plus lawsuits before the election, in some case, while the election was going on during early voting. Democrats were suing and then getting settlements, getting agreements from fellow Democrats in state governments that would change the way that did change the way we voted. That undermines confidence. I have been saying this now for months, ever since Democrats began this litigious course. You have undermined confidence in the elections. You guys did this. And you cannot expect people now to automatically believe that it was all on the up and up after you took the actions you took. Now, maybe everything was on the up and up. Maybe there was absolutely no fraud whatsoever. I think there needs to be a thorough investigation to confirm this. Now, folks on the right, what is it going to take to convince you of that? I'm not so sure. I think there are a lot of people that there will be no convincing if it doesn't lead to Trump staying in office, right? I think that people are just going to say, if it doesn't result in Donald Trump remaining, then I'm not going to believe the outcome. Okay, well, I'm not talking to you then. I'm talking to people who have legitimate concerns, but want there to be some level of confidence restored to the system. Folks like me. And I don't have a a whole lot of confidence now because of what the left did in their lawsuits. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry either for recommending Old Grouch's military surplus to you. Come on into the shop and get your fully customized first aid kit. Okay, these are perfect for hikers, campers, hunters. Uh, You should always have a medical kit when you go on your outdoor adventures uh, or to have as part of your emergency preparedness supply. And it is definitely part of everyone's go bag. Okay, so and by the way, the government recommends that you have a two week supply of emergency 
uh, supplies at the ready in case of a natural disaster or man-made disasters. You better have some emergency supplies ready to go. Old Grouch can help you with that. Head on over to the stories in downtown Clyde on Main Street uh, or online at oldgrouch.com. For more than three decades, Old Grouch's military surplus, real U.S. military surplus. Shop is open Monday through Saturday. Downtown Clyde Main Street, as I said, it's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. And tell him that I sent you. So Jonathan Turley says we need this commission for three reasons. One uh, is the reliance on mail-in voting and a lot of other changes to the voting systems. Number two, possibly tens of millions of voters believe the election was rigged and stolen. He says, I'm not one of them. However, the integrity of our elections depends on the faith of the electorate. Roughly 40% of that electorate have lingering doubts about whether their votes actually matter. Most of the cases challenging the election were not decided on the merits of the case. It seems a lot of them uh, weren't even allowed for discovery. A lot of them were dismissed on jurisdictional grounds or lack of standing, or they were brought too late. Those allegations need to be conclusively proven or disproven in the interests of the country. This cannot be like the 9-11 truther thing. It can't. If, if this is allowed to fester, it's not going to get better. People have to have some level of confidence. Tens of millions of people believe that the election was stolen. That is a massive problem, and it's not going to just go away because you tell them to shut up. Third, there were problems, he says. There were problems. Now, there was not proof of systemic fraud or irregularities, but there were problems of uncounted votes, loss of key custodial information, key differences in the rules governing voting and tabulations. So there, there were problems. And again, so to deny that there were problems is not inciting violence. It's accepting the reality and then saying we should examine this stuff. And by examining it honestly, you can put to rest a lot of these conspiratorial ideas. And I think you can dial down some of the heat. If, of course, that is what you want to do. I'm not entirely confident that a lot of folks are actually interested in doing that. I think there are a lot of people that are going to use this. Well, not are going to. They are using this right now to seize the moment to pounce, if you will, on the right. They are looking to shut up, deplatform, ostracize and eliminate from the public square the right. They don't like your ideas our ideas, right? They don't like our ability to meme on social media. It's a sore spot with them, really. They're not very good at memeing, and the right is very good at memeing. Um, they don't like the fact that we win elections. They don't, they, they, they don't like a lot of things about the right. And it's just easier for them to say, shut up. In fact, this gets to a point, hang on, uh, Jesse Kelly, talk show host out in Texas, he said, I'm starting to think it wasn't a good idea to filter multiple generations of Americans through a government school system that taught them to hate themselves and their country. It's almost like they're everywhere in society now, and now we're turbo-screwed. <laughs> so, uh, to his point, we have not taught people how to debate, how to win an argument, how to make an argument, how to think logically and rationally, to abandon emotion when necessary in order to examine issues. Now, everybody is ruled by emotion, it seems. Emotions get the clicks, apparently. That's what everybody's all about nowadays. 
Like you, like you win the argument if you scream the loudest, if you use the worst language against somebody. I don't know how we got here, but if that's like that's not how you win arguments. You win arguments based on reason and logic, and that's the only way out of this, folks. Now, if you are trying to find a way to get into a deep sleep, I'll tell you what worked for me. It was Grower's Hemp Full Spectrum Hemp Extract. I have been taking drops before I go to bed. In fact, the other night, uh, I forgot to take them. It was actually two nights in a row. I don't know why. I just, I always have a hard time. I tried taking like my medicine, you know, my daily medicine, my pills. I tried taking those before I go to bed. I always forget. I can do it first thing in the morning but never when I go to bed for some reason. So I forgot two days in a row to take my CBD oil and I did not sleep through the night, either nights. Last night I did and I slept through the night, no problem. Deep sleep too. Like the kind of sleep where I wake up after just seven hours and I'm like, I feel well rested. That's me. So what are your reasons for taking CBD oil? Let me know. Send me an email. Shoot me a tweet or Facebook message. I'm on Parler. Or am I anymore? Also, MeWe. Um, are you looking for better quality of life? A balanced state of mind? Positive mental outlook? Immune system resilience? Go to growershemp.com. Use the promo code PETE. Get 20% off. Growers Hemp Full Spectrum Hemp Extract. Add it to your daily routine. This is top quality at great prices because they're North Carolina farmers and they control the whole process. They raise the crops. They have the manufacturing. So seed to shelf, it's all theirs. Growershemp.com. So you're supporting local family farms uh, and they're helping you on your wellness journey. Growershemp.com. Now, here is the official disclaimer from GovCo. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Growershemp.com. Use the promo code PETE at checkout. Get 20% off from North Carolina farmers to your home, Growers Hemp. It's about the hemp and not the hype. There is also another investigation that needs to occur, in my view, and that is an investigation as to what exactly happened at the Capitol last week. Here is a piece by NBC News. As evidence mounts that some extremists had told the world what they had in mind through social media, questions are emerging about whether the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, and other federal agencies took the postings seriously enough, and why, if they did, they didn't step in until well after the building was under attack. Asked on Friday whether the slow police response on Wednesday was the result of an intelligence failure, the official who leads the FBI's Washington field office, Stephen D'Antuano, 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 anyway, he, Stephen, Stephen said, quote, there was no indication there was anything planned other than First Amendment protected activity. D.C. Police Chief Robert Conti said something similar after the, uh, the riot saying, quote, there was no intelligence that suggested there would be a breach of the Capitol. Ken Rapuanu, the the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Homeland Security, told reporters that the Justice Department and other law enforcement officials told the Defense Department repeatedly that they had no indications that there would be significant violent protests. However, NBC News has reported that a digital flyer made public on Instagram and Facebook last month referred to what would happen as 
Operation Occupy the Capital. <gasps> Occupy the Capital? Occupy the Cap... Occupy. Occupy. That's, why does that sound familiar? Occupy the Capital. It'll come to me, I'm sure. On the fringe message board, 8kun, which is the number 8kun. Remember 4chan? And then that turned into 8chan, and then they got booted off of all of the internet, and then they started up 8kun, which is popular with QAnon followers. Users were talking for weeks about a siege of the Capitol. Quote, you can go to Washington on January 6th, and help storm the Capitol, said one user on Tuesday, a day before the siege. Quote, as many patriots as can be, we will storm the government buildings, kill cops, kill security guards, kill federal employees and agents, and demand a recount. Okay, how could the FBI and other agencies have missed that? Well, it turns out they didn't, <laughs> according to this NBC report. Quote, prior to this event, the FBI obtained credible and actionable information about individuals who were planning on traveling to the protests who expressed a desire to engage in violence, according to a senior FBI official who told NBC News this as an anonymous source. Which I really wish this person would not be an anonymous source because now I cannot really believe what they're saying because it's NBC News relying on any anonymous source. And because of what we just saw for the last four years, I don't trust it. They say that the FBI was able to discourage individuals from traveling to D.C., though. So think of this. This is the story NBC is putting out there. There were people on this uh, forum that were organizing this violence. The FBI saw it. They reached out to them. They encouraged them not to go. And those people stayed home. That's their story. That's the FBI's story, according to this anonymous official, who I'm not sure, like, is this damage control? Are you getting out in front of this to say to people, oh, no, no, yeah, we, we didn't fall down on the job. We didn't miss any of the red flags. No, 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 we totally saw it. In fact, we saw it, and we called them up, and we were like, uh, you better knock it off. And then they did. And we were like, all right, it's going to be fine. Well, it wasn't. <laughs> Oh, so I guess the argument is going to be from the feds that, well, the people we saw and we talked to, you know, uh, we, we knew the violence had been short circuited because of our actions. And so, like, those are the only ones that we were aware of. The official was not in a position to explain why the head of the Washington, D.C. field office, though, had said that there had been no indication of violence. Isn't that convenient? I don't know why the boss would say something else. New York police, who have the most robust intelligence collection and analytical arm of any local police agency in the country, sent law enforcement agencies across the country, including the Capitol Police, an intelligence packet describing threats and violent rhetoric on social media in the weeks and days leading up to the rally, according to multiple senior law enforcement officials who said Capitol Police were given a specific and separate intel report describing extremist rhetoric and threats of violence that appeared on social media in connection with the rally. NBC goes on to say law enforcement officials familiar with the intelligence assessments said that President Donald Trump's exhortation of the crowd to match on, uh, to march on the Capitol probably prompted a much larger contingent of people to heed uh, or to head there than might otherwise have gone. And that is probably true. But as we went over earlier with the timeline, it doesn't sound like they could have gotten there before the violence started. Right? 
there, just like I went over earlier, like with the populists and the establishments, right? You, you got different groups of people. This, and maybe this is my Achilles heel. It's like, I try to look at people as individuals. What did I say when all of this happened? I hold you personally accountable. If you're the one throwing a brick up against someone's head, you're responsible. You are not provoked to do that by somebody saying, throw a brick at their head for America. Like, that's not on that person. That's on you, brick thrower. So there are different people engaged in different activities. There were a lot of people, the vast majority, now I'm sounding like all of the BLM Antifa apologists saying that, well, you know, these protests were 93% nonviolent, right? There were a ton of people that were there that had no intention of engaging in violence. But to the political opponents of Magaland, they're going to use this to crack down on everybody on the right. Not just the MAGA folks. No, no. They're going to come for the establishment folks and the conservatives and libertarians and everybody else on the right. This is what the populists did, right? They have now created the political cover for the targeting of a much larger population of people. It's already begun. It has already begun. You see it happening with social media. You see it happening, you know, taking down of accounts and platforms and such. You see it happening with businesses that are now uh, suspending donations to Republicans. They're now uh, blacklisting GOP uh, entities and individuals, right? So this has gone way beyond just the people that were engaged in the violence, which is precisely why we need to have an investigation that tells us what all happened, what signs were there, who missed them, who issued, you know, whatever orders. I want all the information to come out. I want timelines. I want people on the record. I want it all. I want it all. Uh, That's a wrap for this episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much for subscribing to the podcast as well. If you haven't already, please do so. Just go to thepetecalendarshow.com, click subscribe, and you're all set. We'll talk with you later. Thanks for the support. Don't break anything while I'm gone.